G'day and welcome to another episode of the Beyond the Message podcast, an experience which is designed to help you leverage the 167 hours beyond Sunday or beyond the message so you can grow your faith. My name is Lockie, I'm the host of this podcast, and today I sit down with Riley and we talk about part three of Scared to Death. If you'd like to hear the full message, you can go to our Facebook page and you can actually watch it in video format or go to our podcast and listen to it so you can hear the full mandate in full context. But apart from that, I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Riley about part three of Scared to Death. To give you the best possible chance at first identifying your wall to then address your past and settle the past, we're going to ask four questions of our four Monday so that you can crush this week. And I'm joined by Riley Brown, one of our communicators here at Beyond, to ask him questions about part three of Scared to Death. Riley, how are you going? Very good, Lockie. I'm very excited to be spending one of my um, other 167 hours with you this week. I'm is so it, good. it is 167 hours? Look, I haven't actually looked at the maths. That's just, I heard it once in another. Oh, is that what you, I was actually thinking, like, before we were recording, I was like, I wonder how Lockie figured this out. Like, did he do 24 times 7 and then take off Sunday to get the 167? Or I was also thinking at the same time, I'm like, gee, 167 hours is such a good movie. I can't believe that guy cut off his own arm yeah, to save himself from that rock. And that's then, not 167. No, it was like 127 or something. And <laughs> I, I was I like, there must be a sequel. Mm. Well, actually, speaking of movies, um, Riley, you know, I know no one can see you, but you normally look like Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, from Titanic days. Yes. And uh, I've never heard that. Actually, you know what? I have actually... Um, like it's, I do have a photo of myself with my face cropped onto Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. And no, I, I really appreciate that. Just want to make a comparison today because you look more like him from the movie The Reverend these days. I have a yes. My <laughs> oh, how I wish I had facial hair though. Yeah, I I because we're doing this podcast completely audio, aren't we? It is audio, and but- I guess well we got a fair bit. Of, this is beyond the message too, so there's going to be beyond the audience. But just to describe what I look like for those. Um, I've who never don't know what I look like. I've never seen Riley like this. We've known each other for five years. Yeah. And uh, this is just unheard of. I was literally uh, talking to a student today. I was telling Lockie before this podcast, I work in a, uh, a high school um, as a chaplain. I was talking to a student about Jimmy Neutron today because I told them my hair looks like Jimmy Neutron um, right now. I just look like a blonde Jimmy Neutron. And if you don't know who Jimmy Neutron is, um, check him out on Google and just know that's what I look like. Um, but yeah, no, lucky. I'm, I'm having a bit of a, a rough time, uh, with my haircuts right now. I'm not at my usual hairdressing salon, uh, which is expectations where the X is an X spelt with scissors and then expectations. Um, but yeah, I have moved on from my last, uh, hairdresser, which was hello beautiful. Um, which was a, another local one that's not around anymore. At least I, I'm not too sure where Leslie's at anymore, but, um, that's all my, my hairdressing uh, kind of needs and problems out of the way. That's but it's great. great to be on well, today, Locke. It's you know, great to have a chat. And I think we do pride ourselves on supporting local business here at um, Beyond the Message. Last week, told you so. This week, expectations with X as the scissors. X as the scissors. Pectations. Pectations, yep. To follow the rest. Um, Fantastic. They really look after you out there. That is brilliant. Well, just before we get going into our four questions, it's really cool because at Beyond, the way we position our, uh, our series is that the final part of the series is really application-based. Mm. So you're about to hear... The application of the application, which is... It's double application, look. 
It's yeah. It sounds it's, like a really good uh, trivia kind of game show. It's, double application. <laughs> it's gonna be a good time, and, and hopefully we can walk through and just yeah, kind of step through maybe some key insights just across uh, the series of Scared to Death that we've been doing on Sunday. Um, but just the key things that we can pull out of it and and bring into our life, so uh, we can actually come to understand a little bit more about ourselves, and then hopefully a little bit more about God in the process as well too. There you go. So our four Monday this week was three parts. It's uh, firstly to identify the wall. Secondly, address the past. And third, settle the past. So we're going to go one question of each of those and finish up with a really super practical question. Awesome. So in terms of our walls, um, first question, what can walls tend to look like and how do we know what ours are? Yeah, I think even uh, just to do a quick recap of, of part three as well, we're really addressing that, you know, there's there's times in our life where we actually see our fears kind of resurface and mostly fears from the past as well. Maybe you can think of a moment uh, in your life looking back where you just felt a moment of humiliation, uh, a time of embarrassment. Maybe at the same time, there's fears from your past where you actually wish you could relive the moment where you felt that fear. Maybe there's a little bit of regret attached to it. Uh, Maybe you have some guilt or shame attached to your past as well. I think there's fears of our past uh, to lock, uh, you know, that that we hold on to or maybe haven't addressed or overcome before, which I guess is really why we wanted to to talk about uh, the fact in, in part three that our past is a problem when it creates fear for our future. That the past is a problem when it creates fear uh, for our future and and the wall that that we're talking about today and, and that we had a conversation about it in part three was actually the wall this kind of defensive posture that we set up for ourselves when it comes uh, to dealing with our past when things from our past actually resurface uh, and whilst some of us would love to say that when it comes to our fears uh, that we take on maybe an offensive posture um, you know, we often, if you've ever seen David Attenborough before, maybe you've heard of like the flight, fight, uh, or freeze. Did Didn't realize that came from David. No, I don't think it did. I'm, yeah, no, I don't he know. Probably talks he probably it. talks about it a little bit, but um, if you've ever watched the doco, you've probably seen it in action. But when you think about the animal world and flight, fight, and freeze, and, and um, you know, even how we respond as people as well, I'm sure a lot of us would love to say that we're ready to charge the mountain uh, and, you know, just... Uh, you know, charge into the castle and take on the dragon like Shrek does when he goes to save Fiona. Great film. Um, great film. Fantastic. Shrek 1 for you or Shrek 2 was the better film? Uh, Shrek 2 soundtrack trumps it all. Oh, I need a hero. Yep. Great. Banger. Um, but yeah, a lot of us would, would love to say that we take on an offensive posture to actually overcoming our fears from the past. Uh, whereas maybe when some of the fears from the past resurface for yourself, you actually find yourself... Uh, kind of having these defensive reflexes. And this is what we really uh, are saying actually creates a war. And some of these defensive reflexes or these building blocks of our defensive wall that allows us to protect ourselves and leave our past way out there in the distance uh, are some of these things. Maybe you have a reflex of, of anger. Um, maybe you get quite frustrated when things from your past resurface. Um, maybe uh, you take on uh, a reflex of using humor or sarcasm. Maybe you find yourself becoming more critical. I think really just there, the, the humor sarcasm, that's very Australian, isn't it? It is. It's And it's deflective as well. I think um, even the humor sarcasm, and I'm just talking from the perspective that we're both males. Um, I know I probably didn't address that when we're talking about Leonardo DiCaprio and what I look like, even though this is an audio podcast. I'm a male. Me um, too. Yep, awesome. Um, but even even in talking about that, Locke, I think uh, as blokes, there's very much a tendency at time for us to, to not talk about or be honest about maybe how we're thinking or how we're feeling uh, or maybe some of those 
fears that we're experiencing, the last thing you want people to know at times, I think this is a typical bloke thing, but also a typical human thing is to share that with people. Mm. And I would actually say having two sisters, I know my two sisters are much better at doing that than I am. Um, but yeah, I think the sarcasm and humor is a, is a really easy way to kind of deflect uh, our, yeah, that, that feeling of, of actually being fearful. Easy to hide behind it, isn't it? Very much so, very much so. And on top of that, even being critical uh, of other people, I think there's times when we feel like we maybe don't have a control over our fears or or even in the times that maybe our past has, has left us feeling a little bit anxious again resurfacing uh, we become critical in spirit and critical of other people because it's a lot easier to point the finger at somebody else when we're feeling you know not great about ourselves. and then we also talked about withdrawal sometimes uh, when we have that anxiousness when the fears pop up uh, we don't bring them to other people but it's easier to shut the door and, and stay in our room maybe watch a little bit of netflix and just call it quits um, for the day in terms of just sitting back and trying to not deal with actually what's going on inside of us. And uh, I think if there's anything we're hoping to do in this part three lock and even in this podcast today, it's actually addressing how we can overcome overwhelm whilst we're in the middle of overwhelm, uh, which right now in the season that we're in, I, I think it is something we need to address more than ever. So withdrawal as well. Uh, we talked about numbing too, which very much if you're in your room with the Netflix screen time, anything that's going to take your mind off something that you know you need to address when it comes to your fears is part of the process of numbing. And these are things that, uh, you know, really are, are just really simple tasks that don't require you almost any energy. Mm. Um, so sc- uh, scrolling through your phone is, is a big way of Online numbing. shopping. Online shopping. Um, you know, the extremities of it as well is, is how we abuse things. Um, Two, online shopping is a big part of that, spending your finances. Um, you know, on the extremities of it, there's substance abuse as well that we uh, that psychologists talk about in, in yeah. this process of numbing too. Um, but the last one we kind of can look at too is, is control. And I think in this season as well, uh, in a time more than ever where we might feel a lot of uncertainty or, or might not feel in control, this is a time now more than ever where we kind of want a lot of control over different aspects of our life. So that feeling of not actually knowing what the next step is can cause a lot of anxiousness as well. And that's actually the fear of loss of control. And that's what we've been talking about in this series as well. So those are some of the building blocks that actually create that wall for us. So if we've got our walls and they look different for everyone, I know that you said some things and I was like, oh, that doesn't apply. But other things that really stood out to me, especially Mm. in this isolation time, um, that's kind of step number one is identifying the wall. How do we find out though? Um, you know, maybe we're blind to some of our walls. Like, how can we actually go really deep into ourselves, really introspectively, and work out what our kind of, you know, deeper walls are? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, if if we're gonna take on a perspective where we're gonna step away from our past fears and actually spend some time looking at them, not up close, where we become so critical of ourselves, but actually have a perspective where we step back and look into ourselves, we kind of need to ask this question um, of who are the people around me who can actually point out to me what my wall looks like, uh, or more so, what are some of my defensive reflexes too? And like I know we were talking before uh, we even jumped on to do this podcast, who some of those people uh, could look like, who could kind of speak into our life. And uh, you mentioned some some crackers of, of people that we could kind of go to 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 give us a little bit of insight as to what our wall looks like. Did I? Well, I think we were just talking about, you know, <laughs> I think having, uh, you know, mates gotcha. um, yep. alongside of us that can just call it out. Um, we we're talking about partners as well. If, you, if you've got a girlfriend or boyfriend who knows yeah. you really well, a spouse. They'll tell you how it is. They'll tell you how it is. Go to someone that you can trust and someone you know who 
doesn't have uh, that fear of actually pointing out what's going on for you who can give you that honest yeah. reflection don't go to someone who's going to say no you don't have a wall that's <laughs> it and that's, that's what we were talking about earlier too ask your friend family member a partner someone you can trust even ask a colleague who maybe doesn't know your full story mm. but can tell you at least hey these are the things i'm seeing in your public world what's going on in your private world mm. uh, and hopefully they'll be able to, to help you just realize maybe some of those defensive reflexes of or, or what is kind of seeping out through uh, that wall that you've set up for yourself to keep your fears in the past. Um, so yeah, asking your friend, family member, or anything like that. I think there's also um, a way we can grow in self-awareness here by actually uh, stepping back from ourselves and just spending time just to think about, hey, what are some of my tendencies when I actually do feel really stressed or anxious um, or fearful? I'm sure you probably only need to reflect in the space of this COVID season uh, as well. I'm thinking, Locke, I know for a lot of people, there's probably a lot of things that maybe you've been holding on to for a while now, or maybe things from your past that you're actually finding uh, are kind of leaking out into your public world during this time. Mm. And you're seeing a lot of that frustration or the anger uh, or the withdrawal or the control freak side of yourself. Uh, just have a think, just just in this kind of last season we've stepped into um, you know, of, of crisis, uh, what's been some of the tendencies that you've noted and how can you link that back to your wall? And it's not to say that identifying these things are bad. I think identifying knowledge and thirst is a great step forward to actually realizing that there is a way uh, to frame your response to it and to actually overcome as I well. I think, yeah, I, I recognize that because when I haven't been able to see anyone, those things, those tendencies I have, have been, um, I've definitely been, uh, aware of them at this time because yep. they've just come to the forefront of my yeah. life. Like, you know, it's just thing in isolation, good days and bad days. Mm-hmm. My bad days, I hardly get out of bed yep. and, and can just sit on Netflix the entire time um, and, and do those kind of things that I wouldn't normally do in my real life. But obviously that's their part of my life. And maybe that's a wall for me, which I need to address. Yeah. It's a good chance to do it now. Yeah. Oh, and it's bizarre. I was talking with a colleague at work today because um, I'm a chaplain, you know, there's often kind of ministry context conversations going over. So once again, we're just walking through a Bible passage, but even looking at John 15 and uh, the idea of pruning, but we're also just uh, looking the, at the idea of fruit as well, Locke. And I even think just around what you're sharing right now that uh, I think for a lot of people in this season uh, have kind of been in this uh, this time of, of what we'd call like browning for a fruit. So uh, it's a stage where, you know, the fruit no longer really has any motivation to keep growing. Mm. And I think it's been easy in this time. This might be one of those defensive reflexes brick in your wall, um, maybe that you've identified of just not having the motivation to do anything or or get anything done. Mm. Uh, Or maybe just, um, you know, I think it it is a tricky time uh, in that we all have an expectation of what we want to do in this COVID season and what we want to achieve. And maybe with more time, we're actually finding that we are feeling more stressed um, as well. And, and it's this, this process of browning, my colleague was telling me, um, you know, outside of that, it doesn't mean that the fruit has to brown and that eventually leads to, to burnout or anything like that. But we actually have an awesome opportunity uh, to know some good news in this time as well. Um, and same thing, reflecting with this colleague, we were even talking about uh, how even looking at Australian bushland, here's some great um, I don't even know Russell what you call Coyne that. Kind of Russell Coint. Yeah, this is the proper stuff right now. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's some Australian flora that literally need to. I think this is such a cool thing about our country. Um, some, some Australian flora that literally need to be put under pressure 
and actually put in the furnace. Like they need fire for their seeds to crack open, for the pods to crack open and for uh, for themselves to kind of germinate and grow. And I think what we're going to find in this season is that it has been a really big time for people to confront fears of their past uh, and also look introspectively into their own private world and what's leaking out of their public world and has having this awesome opportunity to actually step forward and embrace grace uh, and learn more about God in the process, but also step into the person they've been created to be by being put under you know, a tremendous amount of pressure. A crisis is not an everyday thing. There you go. Well, that's a fact you'll only hear from someone who's got a big daddy deluxe swag. It's very true. Oh, I actually don't have a big daddy oh, deluxe. Don't. I got a true blue. A true blue. Well, uh, and that's another name drop. True blue, if you're out there and want to be on the podcast. Um, but yeah, I just love my Australian native bushlands, mate. New metaphors. New metaphors are awesome. Mangroves are the best. Well, while we uh, restock on our fresh chai co masala blend honey soaked chai. This is a beautiful it's, it's fresh, a great tea. fresh chai co masala honey blend. We're going to hit chai. you with our second question, Riley. Um, is God disappointed in me because of my past? Yeah. And <laughs> I lead with yeah at the start. I'm using yeah as just a thinking process as I'm just putting down my chai tea here. Um, let me give you kind of a little bit of a, a perspective on, on how I think we can respond to this question because the answer is not a yeah. Um, I think it's actually really hard and I could understand how hard it would be to actually comprehend grace if we have never experienced something even close to it before. Um, and Locke, I, I know um, even for me, Uh, Like I said, I've got two sisters, but I I remember a moment when I was really little and I don't know if my sisters were involved, but I was just chucking an absolute wobbly mate. I was having an absolute tantrum. Uh, I went to my bedroom because I could kind of self-regulate as like a five-year-old or however old I was at the time, but I was just really, really frustrated. Um, And I'd actually, I don't even think I got in trouble. I I think I just was just really wound up over something. And I ended up kicking a soccer ball against a pot plant in my room, which broke the pot plant and left a really loud, like, yeah, there was a really loud bang in my house. So my dad came in and I stormed out of the room because I hated the idea of getting in trouble. Stormed out of the room. I ended up in my parents' bedroom, just in more of a meltdown. And I I don't know if you're a parent listening or even if you've ever been a kid before, which I think, you know, Uh, can confirm, confirm. I think we'll have a hundred percent chance that. Uh, you know, you as a listener will be able to understand this, but if you've ever chucked a wobbly before, ended up in your parents' room and just got yourself in such a stage of just feeling overwhelmed that you've gotten sweaty. Uh, I was underneath the doona at one stage. Oh, I was just like so heated. And I remember my dad coming in and pulling the sheet over the top of me. And at that time, I actually had a little wooden hammer from my room. I, I loved kind of building things when I was little. The idea of being a builder, I loved Bob the Builder. I had this little hammer in my hand that I was clenching onto this whole time and I actually started using it to just kind of hit my dad as he was coming close to me uh, for no reason. And it was like I was in this delirious state of just like completely just being, yeah, just completely overwhelmed. And dad ended up getting two arms around me and he just pulled me in tight and held onto me even as I'm continuing to hit him with this little wooden hammer with like no force attached to it. And slowly the hammer just got softer and softer to the point where dad was just telling me like, it's all right, it's all right, it's okay, I love you. And I think this is just... uh, such a, a a big kind of um, yeah illustration for me of of God's grace. This is this is literally it. And if you uh, have ever been a kid, like we were saying, hundred percent chance you have been. But if you've ever had a parent kind of come up to you or seen a parent just say to the child like, "It's okay, it's okay, I love you." Like more than ever, like right now, I actually I love you and I care for you. Like that is 
that is a parent showing to their child grace. And I think that is just the fatherly love um, that we see in a heavenly father as well. Uh, so when it comes to this question, is God disappointed me because of my past? I'm going to respond with the the answer of no. No, here. we started oh, with a very clear answer. We started yeah. with a very clear answer. I'm going to respond with no. We're going to really, really correct that to, to no. <laughs> very clearly. Do not pause on that. Yeah, this is a uh, heavenly father who wants your heart's attention, not your perfection. You can live a life no longer a slave to fear and actually step into the life that you're called to live. Um, and we all want clarity over our future. I completely understand that. But again, that's that control freak tendency that causes us the anxiousness. When we're losing control, we feel more anxious. Uh, and fear is very much the antithesis to fear, fear of losing control. And um, I think there's that big bottom line. And uh, I think, we, I think we, we talked about it in part three from what I remember. But, but faith isn't knowing the end of the story. It's trusting the one who does. Uh, so I think one of the questions we can ask ourselves in answering in this question of, is God disappointing me because of my past? If, if you're hearing that in your own head, find a voice that you can trust to, to speak into that. Even a better voice, listen to your heavenly father. Mm. Um, and at the same time, just know that he sees you of value, of worth so much. The Bible, even across the New Testament, we see so clearly. Um, and across the old as well, it's the same God of the old and new, a heavenly father who loved uh, his creation, who loved his children. And you know what, if, you, if you're listening you've never heard that before, if you've never heard that um, God isn't disappointed in you, I just want to let you know um, that we have made mistakes. I definitely have. But for me, I'm a child of God and that always takes priority in God's eyes and it applies the same in your life. Mm. He loves you. He accepts you. He approves yep. of you. Um, and he will never remove your position. You know, being a child of God is number one. And your mistakes um, don't even compare to that kind of status. Mm. So if you've never heard that before, uh, just take a moment to, to let that soak in. Yep. And if you can, if you've got people in your life who are willing to tell you, mm. that also works. Mm. So it's hard to tell yourself sometimes. Yeah. You need someone to just, just share it with you. Oh, and this is the, the good news as well, the gospel message. And I think we find it in Romans 12. Trying to figure out the verse, I, I want to say it's it's possibly three, but I also don't want to be a heretic at the same time. But Lockie, <laughs> um, you know, there's this awesome verse in one of the translations where we just hear Paul talk about the fact that, you know, this is a heavenly father, a God who says the only accurate way to measure yourself is by who I am and what I've done for you and who he sees you as as well. That it's not actually, uh, you don't have to live a life trying to measure yourself based off comparison, based off success, your idea of perfection, expectation of yourself or expectation that you feel other people are projecting onto you. This is a heavenly father who sees you as unique, who sees you as valuable. And you know what? You're here in this world. There's like a one in three trillion chance of you being here. And in the biology of the world, that actually makes you a living miracle. So you have a heavenly father who loves you. And I think even this word too, Lockie, like you have a heavenly father who's proud of you. Whoa, good one. That wrecked me the first time I ever heard that when someone told me that God it's was proud of me. I know we've debriefed it before and I mm. actually think it is such a, like firstly, such a good thing to hear. Um, but same thing, even a father's heart, like just just knowing you have someone who is for you and someone who is proud of you, um, no matter what, even in your mistakes, mm. even in times where you feel disappointed, like you have a heavenly father who still wants a relationship with you and wants, yeah, is has open arms um, to for you to, to come back to him too. So. Yeah, I'm realizing very quickly we could do a 24-hour podcast on just the second uh, question. And Locke, I know you gave me a brief before this of <laughs> trying to get this within a certain time limit as well, but um, I know I know we've got some other questions to work through as well. Well, let's move on to question three. 
Um, and this, I, I'm actually asking you this because I want the answer uh, true <laughs> for me in my own life. Um, question number three, what happens if I settle my past, but it keeps popping back up? Um, so friends and family might talk about it um, or I'm feeling the shame, even though I've tried to settle my past. Yep. Yep. Um, once again, not a yep to, to any answer there, but just thinking through. <laughs> question I, I number think, four, <laughs> we're not going to start with a yep. Not a yes or no, but... Um, I think it's really easy, um, you know, when, when we think of the fears of our past as well, maybe some of these resonate with you, but you know, there's fears in our past that tell us like right now in my present and in my future as well, like we are unforgivable that what we've done is something that can never be pushed aside. And, um, it's always going to revisit us that you've done too much or you didn't do enough or that you're a failure or that you're a part of something that had, a big effect on people in a negative way. Our past can tell us that we're unforgivable. Our past can tell us at the same time that we are unlovable, that if people really knew what we've done or said or thought, then we wouldn't be deserving of love. And I think there's a part of our past as well. Uh, and, you know, this is a big fear that I think can take up a lot of your brain space and really control your mind and heart at the same time is, is just this fear that we are useless because of what we've done in the past. Like, how could I possibly move forward from it and this is the big tension we were trying to address in part three uh is as well um you know this this fear of we're useless because what are we what we've done in the past uh we've we've missed the mark on the future we've missed the mark on uh who we want to be or who we think god has created us to be everything that's ahead of us because of a mistake that we've made or a series of mistakes that we've made there's no real future for us or we've completely kind of butchered it up and i think all these fears really speak into the guilt that we can feel like um and the guilt you know that's that's when we tell ourselves like oh i did a terrible thing like oh, i feel you know really bad about what i've done or what i said um but you know guilt's very different from shame and i think guilt and shame are both master emotions and they're very controlling shame is very controlling because shame is actually you know it's not just saying like oh i'm not a loving person um or you know people don't love me shame is actually saying like i am unlovable like mm. i don't love people well shame is shame, really strong shame's that one that when you wake up you're in a bad mood already because it's telling you oh, it's going to be a bad day yeah it's already know? got control on you it's already turning you like we we're talking about fruit earlier to to feel that sense of browning um, no real motivation to grow when, mm. when shame's kind of lurking over you. And at the same time, regret as well. Regret's probably the third one, that feeling of like, I've missed out on an opportunity in the future because of my past mm. or because of what I did in my past, my future will be determined by it and who I am, my identity will be determined by it. Um, so I think those are some of the things that our, that our fear can tell us. But I think even in part three, what we were looking at um, is that, and, and Locke, we were talking about this earlier, Philemon, is one way I've heard of pronouncing it. Uh, Philemon, I think, is how I might have said it a couple of times throughout the message. I understand. But you've from, said it a few different ways. I've said it about, yeah, I think like 72 different ways Philemon, in my life. Philemon, Perfriterols. Philodophish. Phil. We were just going to call him Phil at one stage. But uh, in what we see in Philemon, or however you'd like to pronounce it, what we see uh, in the Bible with Phil is this letter that Paul writes... Um, to Philemon about his slave Onesimus, which is equally like, I can't believe I got that first go then. Onesimus. Onesimus. That's great. Try and say that a million times. Um, Onesimus runs away from Philemon uh, and Philemon's actually um, Onesimus's master. Uh, Onesimus is his slave. Philemon, from what we know, scholars and theologians believe he was a, a Christian fellow who was actually really quite influenced 
by Paul, um, which is why when we see that Onesimus runs away from Philemon and finds um, Paul in a house jail in Rome, because Onesimus is going to Rome because that's where all the travelers were, so he's going to slide into the scene really well there. Onesimus is running away from his past. He's getting away from the fact that he actually stole from Philemon. So that's his wall. It's withdrawal. It's flight. It's not like... You know, it's not fight, it's it's actually flight, it's running away. Um, and what we see is that Paul actually writes to Philemon and says, Hey Philemon, I've met your slave who's on the run right now. And I want to let you know that, you know, we actually have a really good connection. And from what we see in Paul's writing, uh, he actually describes the connection that himself and Onesimus has as like this father to son connection. And Onesimus comes to, to find this kind of new sense of self. And we see that in Paul's writing when he writes this letter to Philemon and he says, you know, formerly Philemon, formerly Onesimus was useless to you, but now he's become useful to both you and me. That once like Onesimus was defined himself based off his past, controlled by guilt, shame and regret, but now he's got a new definition of himself. And, and Paul's actually writing to say like, Philemon, he's got a different lens on how he sees himself now. Like this is, this is awesome. Like he's got this whole new perspective. He's a different person. And um, I think the great thing we see in, in answering this question of what happens if I settle my past, but it keeps popping back up, um, is actually, you know, Onesimus goes back to Philemon after having a little bit of distance as a new person. And I think sometimes we need that space just to step away from all the things that are controlling us and consuming us and telling us who we are and all the things we measure ourselves by to have some distance from that uh, and actually have some time just to... To, to realize just more about who we are and who we've been created to be. But what Onesimus really experiences here is not just life change, but life transformation. He's gone from feeling useless to useful. But I think the biggest thing we see, and probably a great way to respond to, to this question, hopefully, Locke, is that if your past keeps popping back up, just know that the guy who wrote this letter to Philemon, Paul, he was in jail. And Paul was in jail because he, he was put in jail for literally practicing his faith uh, and he ends up in this house jail uh, in Rome. And, and Paul is still writing letters to encourage other churches uh, and, you know, encouraging other believers. He's writing this this letter to Philemon, just one of the people that he's influenced. But when you know the story of Paul, Paul used to be a fellow called Saul, who was a religious terrorist who did the most despicable, terrible acts, you know, ever. Like he actually took people who were Christians, he arrested them, he took people out of their families and, you know, organized to have them killed. There's no way Paul could have ever gone back to those families and say, hey, um, hey, this is who I am now. I'm actually a follower of Jesus. Um, I've encountered Jesus. I really believe who he is. And he talks about forgiveness. So surely you can forgive me. Like there's no way Paul could have expected that from everyone. And you just think about Paul and the fact that he's actually writing to encourage people from jail when really, realistically, Paul's past should have disqualified him every time. Hmm. Like there is no way Paul should have been doing or should have been the person that he was. Yet God uses him as this amazing person and instrument to actually spread his message of hope across a large chunk of the Mediterranean. Well, he goes around... He, well, in history, he's probably one of the best Christians. Are we oh, to like say that? The, I think the biggest influence of the Jesus movement post-Jesus himself, I think, is one way that we could actually talk about who Paul is. Um, and I, I think, you know, it, when we think about our past and how we can actually move away from it, you know, our, our past is actually part of our story. Um, it doesn't have to define us, though. Like we have an opportunity to control how we view our past and not be defined by it, by actually, but actually deal with it. And I think that comes, Locke, I think it actually comes through what Paul did and what Paul did was embrace grace. And we see the story of Paul 
a big part of who he was is the fact that he actually embraced grace, that he actually embraced a heavenly father who loved him. And embracing grace is not just a one-off thing. Uh, it's actually something, um, you know, even in the times where we make mistakes and all the rest, there's still a God there who has his arms open to us. Uh, so I think that idea, again, of embracing grace is just so essential, even in our hurt, yeah. knowing that that actually points us towards who the person that God created us to be is. What I find really interesting is that Paul goes down as, oh, he used to be Saul and now he's Paul. And then he went on and did great stuff, and now he's like the best Christian. Yeah, oh, I hear people talk about it like it's the opposite of Darth Vader. Like, That's, uh, I've never heard of that one before. Have you heard that one before? <laughs> oh, I think yeah, I actually go. haven't heard of it before either. No. I've always wanted to say it, but I've never looked into the <laughs> theological accuracy of it. But uh, we'll we'll revisit that another time. But um, you know, we think that the the transformation from Paul to Saul, sorry, Saul to Paul, went like this. Yep. Uh, mm. And he just turned up the next day and was like, "Yo, I believe in Jesus." Um, I've seen, I don't know the exact time, but that transformation period between, um, you know, falling off the horse, Jesus mm. meeting him mm-hmm. and going out and doing ministry was about 17 years. Yep. I can imagine in that time he would have thought a bit about his past and people would have reminded him. Mm. So that kind of idea that it's, oh, I just forgot my past. Here yep. we go. It seems very unlikely to oh, me. And do I think that Paul went through times where he was frustrated himself and frustrated other people? You'd think so, like he was human. Did he probably go through a process of like, you know, if we were talking about modern day Paul, would he have jumped on and just been watching Netflix instead of actually dealing with the call that Jesus played on his life? Like, you know, Paul would have had his own defensive reflexes, I'm sure. Like there's no way that he was living this perfect life. Mm. And he writes about the fact that he, you know, he's not perfect. And like we as people are not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Um, You know, you're exactly right, Locke. Like it wasn't just embracing grace for Paul and experience that and that life transformation wasn't just like a point you, you kind of get to like Jesus he literally encountered Jesus after he was meant to be dead mm. and like there he was in front of him and clearly Jesus had an assigned mission uh, for Paul's life I just find it crazy out of all the people he could have used in the world he used this guy who was once this religious terrorist who was literally doing the opposite of helpful for any type of Jesus movement I think it's amazing that's awesome. And to wrap up this application podcast, um, what's well, the application podcast of the application application message? Yes, the double application. With again. the application fourth question. Yes, the application fourth. Oh, excellent. There's an application so fourth this is, question. This is the game. This is the one to listen to. Riley, what can we do this week to begin to address and settle the past and trust God with your future? And I think, yeah, I think even thinking about uh, Onesimus, the fact that he was still attached to the fact that he stole from, from fire limb and there was these things holding him back and there was the guilt, there was the shame and there was the regret. Oh, I just challenge you and invite you just to spend some time this week just to think about whether or not these master emotions are controlling your mind. Um, and if you're thinking they're not, make sure you answer or, or do that um, question with your friend, family member, partner, non-biased work colleague, whatever it is, of asking them to, to help you identify your war. Uh, I think that's going to be so important for you as well. But, uh, you know, spend some time this week just thinking if these master emotions are actually having control in your life, if you haven't had the time yet to kind of think through and grow in the self-awareness of what some of your defensive reflexes are to your past, if you haven't had time to think about, hey, why am I so fighty with uh, some of these uh, responses to fear? Why am I so flighty? Why am I so freeze? Spend some time just to think about that. Uh, But also if you're journaling it down, if you're thinking about it, 
Don't just think about it. The application is what we were talking about in the message in part three and exactly what Paul was saying as he was pointing uh, or illustrating this beautiful, you know, uh, Easter gospel message of what Jesus did on the cross. When Paul says, you know, Philemon, if Onesimus has done anything or owes you anything, charge it back to me. Like Paul was literally embodying what Jesus did on the cross in the sense of like he was saying, like Philemon, if, if anything, if he's done any wrong to you, like charge it back to me. And that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. He said, I'll take the weight of the world on my shoulders for you. I've experienced the things, the feelings, the emotions, everything that you've had inside. I get the fear attached to your past. Like I understand that. And Jesus took it all on the cross so that we could actually have new life. So I think in this process, as you step away and into the rest of the 167 hours uh, of your week, not 127. not 127 hours, once again, a great movie. Great I haven't movie. seen it all. I know James Franco's in it. Um, but spend this time this week of actually taking some of those things to the cross, feeling, emotions, things that are going on inside of you, things that uh, you need to confront, maybe things that you know you might need to confess as well, uh, maybe things that are, you've actually been holding on to that are things other people have done to you. And when I say take them to the cross, I literally mean either journal about them and bring God into it or, or have a conversation with your heavenly father. And that could be as simple as literally just speaking to him in your own head, carving the time out to be present with him. Be honest with yourself and be honest with your heavenly father. And some of the practical ways you could do this, if there are maybe some things you're holding onto, you can journal them down, write a letter, uh, write a letter to God. That could be one way of doing it. Write a letter to that person that you've been holding on to a lot of um, kind of frustration or bitterness because of what they've done to you. Uh, or like burn the letter at the end if you want to. Like actually know that there's a new beginning after this. Go pick up a rock near like the peninsula or something and hold on to it really tightly, just knowing the frustration and anger and everything that you've been holding on to for so long. And then peg that rock over to like Tangaluma. I don't know if that's within range. It's a very Brisbane reference. Well, we were saying like you can't throw a rock around Griffin where we are, locked because no, you're going to hit the next property next door. I was going to say, before I go and throw my rock, I hope the travel restrictions ease a little bit. Otherwise, someone's going to get one straight through their window. Yeah, you're going to be in a bit of trouble. But anything that's symbolic for you, like that's only just two, two ways of doing it. Uh, but just spend the time of being honest with yourself being honest with your Heavenly Father, you know what this could look like? Actually taking the courage to being honest uh, with the people around you as well about what you're feeling or thinking, or even taking up the courage to say, hey, I'm going to point this all back to the cross and give it over to God so I can actually go and confront that person and have a conversation with them about how they made me feel in the past or what I actually did to them in the past that's leaving me so fearful. And that way, hopefully you're taking the steps forward to not be defined by your past uh, and, and uh, but you actually have an opportunity to, to deal with your past and not live a life with that lie of I am what I have done and actually step into the future that God's called for you to live because you are not disqualified because of your mistakes or regrets. There is a heavenly father uh, who loves you. And I think like we have this awesome opportunity when we do this to actually have an eternal perspective uh, in our time here on earth where we can say, you know, if it doesn't matter in heaven, I'm not going to let it control my life on earth because at the end of the day, what truly matters is how we give, how we serve, how we love others with our words and our actions too. Uh, so I think that's a couple of ways we can step out into the rest of our week and really just embrace the gift of grace that God's given us. That's fantastic. Well, if you want to go further, we've got a section on our description with the podcast, wherever you're listening, called Going Deeper, and we just provide resources um, so you can take it further. We've got a sermon this week, Rich Wilkerson Jr. If you've got no idea who Ooh. that is... 
Um, Snazzy. He married Kim and Kanye. So <laughs> oh, he did. Didn't he? he performed the marriage. He performed so the marriage. Yeah, married <laughs> into their. I know that would be. Yeah, that would be weird. Uh, and we've got a song from Bethel Music called No Longer Slave. Yes. Uh, and listen, I'm terrible with lyrics, Luck. There's only two songs I know all the lyrics to. That's um, Josh Groban, You Raise Me Up, and Boyfriend by Justin Bieber. So it's not one of those? That's it. No Longer a Slave. I know there's this awesome line. I know this <laughs> song, okay. Not enough to sing your whole verse. But there's this line that just says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And I think even in this week, if there's one thing you step away and do, that would be really simple. Spend the four minutes or, you know, if it's spontaneous worship, it might go for longer. 17 minutes yeah. <laughs> Find the cover or find the original, even print off the lyrics or uh, look at them on your phone, make them your wallpaper. They're great lyrics just to walk through, just as a reminder for us, um, yeah, of, of our Heavenly Father and the fact that uh, we don't have to be attached to the fears of our past anymore. That's great. Thanks for coming around, Riley. This is a ruckus, mate. Let's do this every week. We have dreamt about this. For a long time. We finish each other's sandwiches. 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 (laughs) Every time, every time, every time. (laughs) Um, No, it was great. We really hope that everyone got some value out of this conversation. If not, I had a good time. I had a fantastic time. And I look forward to the next time we get to go around with it again. It should be great. Definitely. All right, well, we'll catch you next week. We're jumping into a brand new series. um, And we're going to have Riley, we're going to have Chris. And I actually jump on next next series as well. So someone's going to interview me. I don't know who or how. Um, but anyway, we'll work yeah, it out. Yeah, I think it's going to be Kim and Kanye. Who knows? <laughs> That's so good. Awesome. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. See you. Have a great week. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Message. If you want to connect with Beyond More, feel free to check out our Facebook page. But uh, have a great week. We hope you can really leverage the 167 hours beyond Sunday and we'll see you next time.